So one day, Jesus went to a dinner party at the house of a Pharisee. Now the Pharisees were the ultimate in religious people. They followed all of the rules and they wanted to make sure everybody else followed all of the rules. So Jesus showed up for dinner and he sat down, or actually they would sit on the floor, so he was reclining at the table, it is said. And a woman, a sinful woman, meaning that she was probably a prostitute, came in and knelt down and began to weep. And her tears began to fall on Jesus' feet, and she took her hair and cleaned his feet and then poured perfume on his feet. Now, the Pharisees, the religious people in the room, were a little irritated by that because this Jesus guy was looking like a prophet, and all of a sudden this sinful woman was cleaning his feet, and they began to whisper amongst each other and say, Hey, if he knew who this woman was, he wouldn't be letting her do this because she's unclean. She's a sinful woman. And Jesus, knowing what they were saying, he asked them a question. He said, okay, I want to tell you a story. There are two people that owed money to a certain someone. One person owed 50 bucks. One person owed 5,000 bucks. And the person decided, both of your debts have been clean. You don't owe me anything. Which one of the two would be more thankful? He said, the one that was showing the most mercy, the one with the bigger debt. That was exactly right. And Jesus then looked at the woman after a little more conversation and said, your sins are forgiven you, which irritated people in the room as well. But the point being this is that this woman came into the room and the religious people looked at her and said, you're not welcome. You have too much bad in your life. There's too many bad choices, too many bad mistakes, too many things that you've done wrong, that you are so unclean, you can't be a part of our group. Because you might make us unclean too. But Jesus looked at the woman and loved her in spite of herself. Now, I tell you that story because we're talking about religion and the problem with religion and why religion doesn't work. What happens to us, even to us if we're not careful, is we become a holy huddle. We become a group where we are focused so much on ourselves and focused so much on each other that we forget that, oh, anybody that's not like us is not welcome inside the huddle with us. And so we become religious. Saying there's too much wrong with you, there's too much sin, there's too much bad, and you can't be a part of us because... We don't like what you bring to the circle. And that's one of the big problems with religion. Is religion focuses on exclusivity. The gospel focuses on love. So we've been talking about this in context of the book of Galatians, the letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And uh, we're going to continue there. So if you turn with me to chapter 3. We're going to read verses 23 through 29. It's on page 1169. We're using the Pew Bible. Galatians chapter 3. Now, before we jump into 23, I want you to read verse 1 with me, and so you can understand how frustrated Paul is. He says, You foolish Galatians. 
Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, I read that to you because Paul was ticked off. He was so aggravated and so frustrated with these Galatians and the churches. And because they were letting the Judaizers, which we've been talking about, convince them that they needed to be Jewish before they could be Christian. So then, and down to 23... Um, particularly in 28, where we're going to camp out. Paul says three things that are revolutionary for his day and time and for the church, and particularly for the Jewish Christians. So Galatians 3.23, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, and that's a spiritual baptism, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Paul says this. He says, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, there is equality. He says there is equality ethnically, there is quality, equality socioeconomically, and there is equality in gender. So let's take a look at those three things and kind of see how revolutionary those statements were for Paul to say. The first thing he says is that ethnically there is equality in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He said there's neither Jew nor Greek. Now, for the Jewish people who were Christians and for the Jewish people in general, that would have been an incredibly hard thing to hear. And the reason that it would have been so hard is because they had been told their whole lives they were God's chosen people, and they were special, and they stood out above and beyond everyone else. And in fact, they so believed it that they taught you should not go into the home of a non-Jewish person. If you go into their home, you will become unclean, and you will have to go through a process of purification before you can worship again. In fact, when they built the temple, they built an outer court that they called the Court of the Gentiles. And in case anyone decided to become fully Jewish as best they could, when they came to worship at the temple, they couldn't actually go into the temple. They went in the outer court. And the real worship would happen inside the temple where the Jewish men would worship, and so they could only listen from a distance because as non-Jews, they were unclean. And so the Jewish people had this idea that they were above and beyond everyone else because God chose them and made them special. And so for Paul to say in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek was a revolutionary idea for them. You mean God is saying that people not like us are loved by him just as much as we are? You mean you're saying that other people that are non-Jewish matter? You mean you're saying that they have equality with us? That, that is crazy, Paul. We've never heard that. We don't believe that. That can't possibly be true. And so Paul was turning the whole belief system upside down. He was saying, as a Jew, he was saying, there's no ethnic superiority in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus lived that out. Uh, he interacted with a Roman centurion who had uh, a sick servant. 
He interacted with the Syrian woman and, uh, and healed her child. He met the woman at the well, which we'll talk about more uh, in a little bit, who, who was a Samaritan and an outcast in society. Jesus lived this way, and he loved this way, and he loved the people who were unlovable, according to the Jewish tradition. Now, let's transfer this to 2017. And I think, and, and I've stayed out of this fray for a couple of weeks because I really wanted to, to know how I felt. One of the things that we have to be careful of, especially in American Christianity, is thinking that we, as American Christians, are better than other people. We have to be very careful about that. Now, don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I, I love this country, and I'm so grateful that I'm here. I consider that an incredible blessing. But the minute that I start to think that I'm better than other people in other places, I've stopped loving as Christ loves. Now, I have friends that are very involved um, in, in people coming over here, not just as immigrants, but as uh, fleeing war and those sorts of things. And, and I understand, and, and please hear me say this, um, I'm not anti-government, I'm anti-politics, okay? And so, um, and so my, my, what I'm about to say is purely uh, centered on the kingdom of Jesus Christ. There are refugees who are running for their lives that have no place to go. And I want to remind you that the founder of our faith was once a Middle Eastern refugee from a political persecution. When he and his family fled to Egypt. And I'm not pretending I have the answers. I don't want to act like that I do. But I, I, I pray, I, I seriously pray that very soon refugees can start coming again. Because the ones that aren't Christian, they need to hear Jesus, hear about Jesus. And the ones who are Christian need to get out before they get beheaded. That's all I'm going to say about that. But one of the things that we do, we have this tendency to put ourselves above others, and, and we look at the Jewish people and say, how could they do that? And I think we need to be careful because we can easily fall into the same trap. And then we get even closer to home, and we have to realize that song we sang as children, that, that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in His sight. We need to never forget, never forget that we are not better than anyone because of the color of our skin. Because in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, there is ethnic equality. Well, Paul went on, and that wasn't revolutionary enough in itself. He, he said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, and there is neither slave nor free. And this was a socioeconomic statement. And, and so there were people who could survive on their own. Um, and, and, and could pay their bills, etc., and, and make money and continue on. There were people who could not. And many of the slaves who were in slavery at that time were enslaved, not because of where they were born, but because they couldn't pay their bills. And so they would enslave themselves to whoever they owed money so that they could pay off the debt and their family would be free. Right? And so when Paul says, and he, he talks about this church, he said, listen, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ... It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much you've made. It doesn't matter 
your social standing in this society. It doesn't make any difference. And, and that was revolutionary because in Jewish thought and in Greek thought, the idea was is people who were wealthy were wealthy because God or the gods in Greek thought, small g, had blessed them. And so if you were doing well, it's because the gods thought you were awesome. And Paul says, wait a minute. That's not the kingdom of Jesus Christ. There is no socio-economic favoritism. James was very specific about it. In fact, James seems not to like rich people at all. And so on my journey of faith, it's been very interesting. I have been able, had the opportunity to be friends with followers of Jesus who are extremely wealthy and followers of Jesus who are close to homelessness. I used to play golf with a man uh, 15 years ago who was a half a billionaire with a B. And so I'm sure he is a billionaire now. He went to MIT as an engineer, got his degree, and instead of engineering, he decided to start buying companies that were folding. He would buy companies and make them better and then sell them for a huge profit. That's how he made his living. Now, he and I were alike, alike in many ways, except his golf clubs were a lot nicer than mine. And in fact, his golf balls were a lot nicer than mine. But he was a very generous man. He helped literally thousands of people. And he loved Jesus. I was friends with another man who was on the verge of homelessness, but was passionately in love with Jesus Christ. Didn't have a lot to give, but just of himself. And whenever he could give, he would give away and he would help and, and he would invest in other people because he loved Jesus. And my point being, I looked at those two men and I, and I see their different stories and I see the different directions of their lives, but I realized that they're in different situations, but in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, they're equal. Because in the eyes of God, a person's value is not based on the sum of their possessions. And so Paul was throwing the whole world order in disarray by saying, listen, you have to understand this. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. In the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we're all equal. Another revolutionary statement that he made. And then if that weren't enough, he said there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Now, this would have blown the mind of the people in the first century. Women in the culture were more like property. The only women that had money were women who were widows, and their husbands had great wealth and left it to them. They were the only ones that had position. And so Paul comes along and says, listen, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we're all one. The men aren't any greater than the women, and the women are equal with the men. How weird was that for them to hear? Because it was totally contrary to everything that they believed. And you look back on Jesus' story, and, and Jesus did a similar thing. He, in the Sermon on the Mount one day, he was talking, and he said, uh, he, he was talking about divorce, and he said, the only reason that you should get a divorce from your wife is if she's been unfaithful to you. And the men got real upset. 
And they said, well, why did Moses allow us to divorce our wives if we give them a, a certificate of divorce? And he said, because you're a bunch of knuckleheads. No, he really didn't. That's my word. He said, because you're weak. Because you're weak. You see, the, the teaching was, is that you can divorce your wife for any reason. You come home one night and she's cooked a bad meal, I'm done. Get a new one. It's as long as you gave her a certificate of divorce so she could marry someone else, though she'd never get to. <clears throat> or one day you come home and realize, you know, she's not as pretty as she used to be, so we're done. And that's how the society was set up. And, and so that's what was happening. Jesus said, no, 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 no. We can't do that. Because women have value too. Women matter to me. And the only reason that you should ever separate from your wife, because a man leaves his mother and father and cleaves to his wife, he's glued to or he sticks to, unless she's been unfaithful. That's it. And so all of a sudden, Jesus in this culture is talking about how women have value. And now Paul is saying the same thing. And the young church is going, wow. You mean we're all equal? You mean we all matter? One day, Jesus was walking through Samaria, which was uncommon for the Jewish people to do because the Samaritans were unclean. His disciples went into town to buy some food, and a woman came to the well, a Samaritan woman. And she started to get water, and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink? And she said, I'm a Samaritan, and you're Jewish. Why would you ask me to give you water? Now, she said that because it is very uncharacteristic for a Jewish man to interact with a Samaritan, number one, but especially to interact with a woman in public, and now a Samaritan woman. And so they began this conversation, and Jesus said, hey, if you knew who was asking you for water, you'd ask me for water, and I would give you water, a living water, and you'd never thirst again. And she said, give me some of that. I hate coming to the well. And then they talked, and Jesus said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five of them. And the man you live with now is not your husband. She freaked out. How did this guy know this? So she said, clearly you're a prophet. You Jews say we should worship in Jerusalem. We say we should worship here. Totally changing the subject. And Jesus said, a time is coming. When you won't worship in Jerusalem or this mountain, you worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, I, I tell you that story, and it was, it's a cool story if you read it. Uh, many of the people in the village became followers of Jesus. And, but, but what I want you to, to hear me say in this is that Jesus broke all the rules. He was talking to a Samaritan as if she was a real person. He was publicly talking to a woman, which in Middle Eastern culture, it's not right. He was talking to a sinful woman, which would have made him unclean. And he broke all of those rules. Why? Because all people matter. All people matter. 
You see, Paul was dealing with this big issue, and he said, religion is infiltrating Christianity, and religion is messing it up, and we have to stop this because religion separates us from people. But that's not what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches that Jesus came and died for the whole world, for everyone. Regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their gender or their socioeconomic class, Jesus did what he did for everyone. Everyone. So I want to challenge you. As I've gone through this series and, and through this week, I want to challenge you as I challenge me. I encourage us to pray and ask God to see people the way he sees them. Pray that every person you lock eyes with this week, that you will see them the way God sees them. I guarantee you, if you don't normally do that, you'll see things a lot differently. You'll begin to love people you never thought you would love. You'll begin to care about people's pain that you never thought you'd care about. You'll begin to realize that, you know what? I am so blessed to be forgiven. I am so blessed to be a part of God's family. I sure don't deserve it. We must be so, so, so careful to not close the circle. Because that's what religion leads us to do. There must always be room for one more. Because that's what we've been called to do. Let's pray.